0: Comics inebriated a podcast about the history of fiction and nonfiction in comics, along with current events, hosted by comic creators Liana Kangas and guest, Matt Emmons.
1: Hi, and welcome back to another week of Comics Inebriated. Uh, I am your co-host, Michael Tablet, and I'm here with uh, Liana.
2: Hello! Uh, Being introduced for my own podcast is probably (laughs) the biggest VIP treatment I've ever experienced in my life. I never thought it would happen, but here we are. Here we are. And uh, this week, we're joined by uh, artist and storyteller and comic artist, cartoonist, all those titles I would think fall under uh, Jamie Jones. How are hey,
0: you, hello, hello, how are you?
2: We're all butts here hanging That's out. That's right,
0: just chilling. Yeah, just, chilling. just drinking.
2: I actually, this is the first podcast I've ever recorded where I have drank a beer for somebody. Why,
0: why did you drink a beer for me? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, you know, I'm I'm extremely picky when it comes to beer, but I knew that you have designed lovely labels for my home state, uh, for a brewery down there. So I was like, you know what? I went out and got myself some local. Um, I'm still trying Memphis or Wiseacre. Uh, Wiseacre in Memphis does a whole bunch of seasonal stuff, and they have a Belgian style wit ale that I got. Mm. It's called Sunbump.
0: That sounds good. Yeah,
2: and obviously you two can see this, but like the design of the can <laughs> is insane. Design
0: that's, so that's a very good design. Yes. As a yes. guy who has who now is like in that whole world of designing <laughs> beer cans, uh that's one that I would have looked at and been like, all right, that's good. Oh, yeah. I'm very yeah. I'm very judgy about it. <laughs> Just... Oh my gosh. Well, Got speaking the... of uh I
2: guess no, that that's not a good segue. I gotta I gotta leave it up to the expert.
1: <laughs> oh gosh, for me. Mm-hmm. Um hmm. wait, what was the name of the, the, the beer that you mentioned? Sunbump. Uh the the type of it.
2: Oh, it's a Belgian style wit ale. Wit.
1: Hmm, okay. Yeah, I can't. You I was said gonna something say, that, you know, that kind of with Eisner. <laughs> I was like, "Well, yeah. you know what rhymes with Eisner?" <laughs> yeah, Pilsner. Pilsner. I'm
0: drinking a Pilsner. Um, oh,
1: yeah, there we go. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, that. Yes.
0: So I'm drinking a Pilsner, Liana.
1: <laughs> Speaking you know what Pilsner? Pilsner is Will Eisner. He kind of shifted. It's a around. slant rhyme. It's a slant rhyme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We can get it in the rap battle somehow, um, but yeah. So, Jamie, would you like to kick it off?
0: Kick it off. Talk a little bit about Will Eisner. Um, yeah. So I, so <laughs> Eisner is like is uh, is my uh, cartooning hero. He's he is my guitar hero, cartoonist person. Uh, he is my slash. He is my. Uh, oh,
2: I love that you're already comparing it to like musicians. Like this is the celebrity like level that you're comparing him right,
0: to. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> my brother, that. my brother plays guitar, and so like a lot of our conversations, I end up like pulling, <laughs> pulling musical references, or, or I used to be a professional actor, so like acting references and stuff like that yeah, into how I talk about comics. Um, yeah, Eisner is. I mean. I guess people know. I don't. Who? Who? I guess people don't know about Eisner because now it's so old. Um, but the I Eisner Awards. I
2: remember in the email, I was like, "Please, uh, please, also
0: <laughs> talk about get into the Eisner once.
2: Awards." <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, I think that might be some people's only context.
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess well, all right. If you had an elevator pitch, who is Will Eisner?
0: Will Eisner is the person who uh, kind of pioneered uh, the way comic books are perceived and in bookstores today. I think that's his big claim to fame. I think that's the thing Mm -hmm. that, uh, that's the reason we have the Eisner awards, right? I think, uh, with a contract with God, which is his big kind of seminal work. Um, and the fact that he would go to the San Diego comic-con all the time, he got the name, (laughs) he got the name for our big awards. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's Eisner. He's, he was a guy who did a lot and he was at the beginning of, of kind of the modern American comics in as early as like, gosh, 1930, he, he started publishing work. Oh my God, Uh, how old was he? uh, (laughs) He was born. Okay. I wrote this all down. Eisner was born. (laughs) uh, He was like 12 when he started actually doing stuff under, under different names. Um, So like, yeah, I have a collection of like the earliest Eisner work and it's all under different names. He starts doing Hawks of the Sea, which is his first big thing under the Will Eisner name in 1936. Um, And that he's like 20. Right. He's (laughs) he's very young doing his own thing. He starts the Eisner and Iger Studios with um, Jerry Iger, I believe. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, that's going to that's going to bite me in the butt. I'm um, <laughs>
2: secretly yelling to this podcast right what? now, being like, you "Who is this mom, Jamie? He Doesn't know anything. No. Um, <laughs> He's no expert. This is yeah fake news. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, let me drink a little more, and then <laughs> then we can we'll be okay with it." Snaps so he starts this uh this comic book studio with Iger, and the the kind of the the myth or the truth of it is. Uh, the reason Eisner's name is first is because he put up all the money um, to oh, start the business. Okay. So it became the Eisner eiger studio. They go on to basically the way comic books worked back then in the in the 30s and 40s. Uh, comic book companies were outsourcing material to be made for like so DC Comics wasn't making comics. They were licensing, basically licensing companies or or these studios buying their issues from them. And then that's what they would publish. So they would come to the Eisner Iger studio to be like, Hey, can you make, uh, some characters? We want this kind of character. And then Eisner and Iger would like farm out to their very small (laughs) studio space, um, to different artists to just, uh, create stuff. So like uncle Sam Blackhawks, uh, Dollman, a lot of the characters that are now uh, the Freedom Force, the Freedom Fighters,
2: mm-hmm. is that
0: right, at DC, um, they're all like old mm-hmm. Eisner and Iger characters. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. So then, <laughs> should I go? So You're like I,
2: immediately after that, right <laughs> after they got the contract.
0: So right after they got the contract, um, so they did that for a long time. They did that for for like 10, uh, 10 years maybe. I'm not entirely sure when Eisner and Iger Studio starts and when Eisner leaves. But Eisner gets an opportunity to go and do a book that is a- alongside what uh, A Contract with God, there is his big other seminal work is The Spirit. The Spirit runs for 12 years and it is a... Uh, weekly supplement that is slid into newspapers. So it's a newspaper comic, but it was bound like a comic book and slid into newspapers. Um, and so he does that, and that uh, I, the spirit starts in 1940 uh-huh. and runs until 1952. This is all tying into what my favorite period of Eisner is that in between section of. What he did during the Spirit, and then a contract with God. There's like a 20 year gap that people don't talk about with Eisner. Um, but this is especially this,
2: because he was—he's so well known for the Spirit. Like yeah. so he's
0: so well, well known, known for the Spirit, and he's so well known for a contract with God. Right? Yeah. The Spirit ends in 1952. A contract with God is published in 1978. There is a huge gap where this guy, there's a huge, it's 20, it's over 20 years. Yeah, 20 it's this, years, yeah. it's, it's this huge chunk of time that he, he's seemingly not doing anything. He but went he's, to
2: the Bermuda Triangle is what you're telling
0: us. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> kind of, kind of, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's crazy that like some of what I consider his best work is not, uh, is not publicly known. Um, so he does, mm-hmm. he does the spirit. And in 1942, he gets drafted uh, for World War II. Mm -hmm. During that time, a couple other artists take over. Lou Fine, who was a big, he was big in the Eisner Iger Studio. And then when Eisner left, he was like, "Hey, you wanna, you wanna come do the Spirit for me?" Because. Uh, I'm oh, drafted. He's
2: like pulling people away. He from pulls the people. <laughs>
0: he pulls people with him. Yeah, there's there's a kind of this big rift between Eisner and <laughs> Eiger. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> um, and so Eisner kind of pulls some of the best guys with him to go do the Spirit. And then when he gets drafted, Lou Fine, who Lou Fine at the time uh, was highly considered the best draftman in comics, just hands down. Period. Um, it's a little stiff to, for our standards now, mm-hmm. but he was the pinnacle of a of a comic book artist. Uh, and Eisner gets him, and then Eisner gets him to do the Spirit comic book. Uh, supplemental and this comic is
2: happening the entire time that he's drafted,
0: right? So like he's, he's kind
2: of like taking it over and just holding on. To so it
0: Eisner's again, writing scripts and sending them over to New York that's
2: insane. That's for, what? for Lou find a
0: draw. It's, it, it's mind boggling. <laughs> um, anyway, while Eisner's drafted, he takes over the art department for army motors. Army motors is a magazine that comes out for the army and, uh, is, is a bunch of like maintenance on vehicles, what not to do, how to load a truck, right? All of these things that can save your life <laughs> in, in dire situations. Eisner takes over. He's, he is head of the art department in, for, for that magazine for the time he is in the army um, for the whole oh, World War II. Oh, wow. So he's there. And then he comes back to America, back to normal life, takes How many back years the spirit was he gone. Uh he's nineteen he gets drafted in nineteen forty two. I'm not entirely sure when he comes back. I, th- I
2: assume it's like four years. Yeah, I whatever. assume it's okay.
0: uh nineteen forty five, maybe. I'm okay. not n I I I do don't know. I should know. I just
2: wanted like a context, like did he stay the whole twenty years or did he like
0: hmm. Hmm.
2: So just a couple years.
0: So a couple of years, yeah. Okay. It was just it was he was drafted just for World War Two, right?
2: Yeah.
0: He comes back. His art style has changed. He's kind of opened up. Uh, the spirit starts to get a little sexier, uh, which is which is really great. So yeah. Um,
2: I love and, how he's like he's come to the conclusion like fuck it I could die at any time.
0: He was like al- well, it's, sexy. It's crazy. It's crazy because <laughs> like. Uh, the spirit w- comes out of this uh, kind of pulp, pulpy world, right?
2: Yeah.
0: The stuff that he's pulling from is Terry and the Pirates and Wash Tubs, and and those are kind of the the modern comics at that time. And then he comes back and he has some experience with. Uh, excuse me. Oh goodness, um, the beers. <laughs> We're gonna
2: clip that. Yeah. <laughs> the
0: beer. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> well,
2: he's like doing all this technical drawing right like the entire time yeah. that he's working so he goes and you're does the tech- one that taught me about that I never knew that before the podcast until you told me that and was like what
0: yeah so know. he does this technical drawing stuff and then he comes back and his art style is a little more fluid it's a little it's it's changed I mean when you look when people talk about the spirit when they talk about the best of the spirit it's like the the first spirit comic and then there's like, we just skip a bunch of years and then it's post-World War II spirit. There is a difference uh, in guys who like the spirit where we all go, do you like, <laughs> it's all post-World War II stuff. Everyone knows it. It's, it's a different book at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he does that for uh, until 1952. He, le- he gets uninterested towards the end of the spirit. Wally Wood becomes uh, the artist that takes over the book. Jules Pfeiffer, who is the artist for uh, the Phantom Toll and is another cartoonist, uh, very popular cartoonist, um, starts writing the book while oh. Eisner's doing it. So Jules Pfeiffer gets hired at like 15 to be Eisner's like <laughs> writer and like second hand, <laughs> right hand guy, and they just like hang out and write stories. It's Eisner who is in his mid-twenties. 50?
2: Oh, okay. No, like, Eisner's I'm in his crap. mid-twenties, okay.
0: yeah. Um, That's wild. That's
2: and so this weird. 15-year-old this just, so just cool. like
0: hanging out and writing comics. And uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it's... it's the, the whole I'm thing's like, so bonkers. <laughs> Jules he Spiefer, looked
2: at me as I was like scowling. Like I'm like, the optics of this seem real strange. It's crazy
0: <laughs> because... Uh, Pfeiffer gets brought in as an intern to Eisner's studio. Mm-hmm. And at the time when like Jack Kirby was going through, came through the studio, Lou Fine came through the studio and Jules Pfeiffer was like, just like the, the kid intern who gets high. I think if, if my timeline's correct, gets hired while Eisner's at war. Right. I think I Lou like Fine that. brings him in. Cause he was like, I need somebody to erase pages. <laughs> um, And so that's what he does. And then he starts writing stories when Eisner's gone at war. And then Eisner comes back and they just kind of hit it off because they have the same writing sensibilities. Um, And then Jules Pfeiffer becomes the writer for the spirit, kind of for the rest of the book. Eisner gets bored. He wants to do something else. He's kind of uninterested in the pulp action adventure stuff. Wants Wants to be more of an adult creator. Um, 1948 he goes off and he forms American visuals so this is the 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 spirit still has four years until it ends but Eisner goes off and does this other thing because it's kind of uh, the spirit's kind of running on its own now he forms American visuals uh, which the company is uh, puts an emphasis on comic book art for commercial purposes And what that does is, uh, so they made like posters for schools,
2: Uh, like an ad firm kind of. How to do
0: stuff like, like when we were kids, we had all those laminated posters of like Mm -hmm. what to do, how to share your toys, and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Eisner was doing that in uh, in the late forties. He would also do
1: what he was doing then um, while he was uh, drafted. You know, uh, right. all these technical instructional stuff. Uh, It's like, it's just just coming back and putting it into
0: use. You can, you, when you read as many books about Eisner as I have, you start to put more and more together. It's like a constant, like little things over here. This, this writer found interesting and was like, Oh, well he started doing this. And, and when you start reading multiple sources, it all kind of falls into this, Cohesive story where you can really see his, Eisner's mindset. Eisner was a businessman. He was a fantastic cartoonist. He was a uh, f- phenomenal storyteller. But on top of everything, his when he marries Anne, his wife, uh, to impress her father, starts his own business. So,
2: American visuals.
0: American visual like okay. yes. And he goes, this is American visuals. We're going to do this. This is we're, we're not doing children's stuff. We're, we're making commercial like art for commercial purposes. So Eisner then goes and starts hawking to a bunch of uh, he's trying to get illustration work, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he does that for a few years. And then he gets what is his most profitable, profitable contract is PS magazine. So the Korean war starts and Eisner finds himself in a bidding war for uh, army motors to take out, to, uh, to take on army motors, his magazine that he was doing during yeah. world war two. Um, and probably because he had worked on the magazine he was a veteran he he was able to bid on the contract
1: mm-hmm. he
0: does and he wins <laughs> and <laughs> from 1951 to 1971 he holds the contract and produces 227 issues of wow. ps magazine what <laughs> uh yes which was the best of preventative maintenance monthly. Um, that is the full, the full title of the name is PS magazine, the best of present preventative maintenance monthly magazine. And he gets a, uh, so he takes a lot of the characters that he made for army motors. He brings Mm -hmm. over, these are, these characters are fantastic. Uh,
2: I love that you he have, has full license use over, like he owns the characters as if the army did put in there.
0: So he only made, like... right. He made, uh, in army motors, there were two characters that he kind of had to use when he was over there. It's half mast, uh, mechanic was that character's name. And, uh, Connie rod, Connie rod is kind of the sexy, uh, Rosie, the riveter, Kind of character. Oh
2: yeah, you gotta yeah, you gotta have a sexy mechanic, right? Right, like, and yeah. 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 Why else so, would they buy the magazine?
0: Exactly, exactly. And then <laughs> Eisner during <laughs> World War II...
2: <laughs> I just died inside. I'm just kidding. Man. I'm like my beer almost empty.
0: Eisner makes the character Joe Dope. Joe Dope is the the kind of like don't be Joe Dope he does everything wrong
2: i'm sorry record scratch i have to interrupt you because we're friends is this what joe dirt is derived from
0: i don't think so
2: are you sure though i'm
0: pretty sure that would be crazy
2: would it be crazy though this guy probably read his magazines
0: Just
2: kidding. Okay. Do I scratch? Sorry. Working my way back, regretting I said in
0: red. PS magazine. (laughs) I don't know if I can make that claim. Um, I'll do. I'll do TikTok later and see if he if he did. (laughs) TikTok. So he makes Joe dope, and he does this magazine for for just like a little digest magazine that's a supplement in. In the actual like maintenance motors, Eisner had to fight for this contract every single year. Um, and in the foreword to the PS Magazine book, uh, Anne Eisner, his wife, talks about how stressful it was for for Will the entire the entire time he held the contract, because the Army would continuously say do we need comic books in this preventative maintenance magazine every single year? And he was like, yes, yes, we do. It works. He was like, here's, here's evidence that this actually like, people read the cartoons and it sticks with them. Yeah. I think they publish like uh, a lesser issue and then the, the stats come back and it's like, Oh, these guys don't remember anything in the magazine. <laughs> the, the pictures really work. But it was every year that he was fighting on this, on this front. And the first year, the initial run uh, was six issues. The initial run was supposed to be six issues. Nineteen fifty-one was the first year it happened. Um, it ran for. It had seven, so they were able to bump up one one extra issue. Yeah. Then it kind of falters a little bit. Five issues here six issues here and then in nineteen fifty five it goes full on and publishes twelve issues every year. It's wow. Uh, he also hired <laughs> in this in this studio American visuals fifteen people worked for on one this one magazine for one magazine.
2: Damn.
0: Yeah. That's why they were crazy. able to get
2: one out every month.
0: Oh yeah. And and it was I mean, the technical drawing, I can show you guys, um, the technical drawings are really intricate and uh, so like everything's super well-drafted. Everything is, it has to be correct, Um, right? And then um, Eisner would- like
2: nothing's exaggerated.
0: Nothing's exaggerated Exaggerated, too much. The characters are, the cartoons are. The um, but he had a lot of people, and of course, the the negative criticism that we have now is that Eisner signed his name to everything. It was Eisner's studio. These guys all worked under under Eisner. It's like Disney, right? Like you don't know, yeah, names are starting to come out. names are starting to happen. But that was the way of comic books back then. That's how Japanese comic works now. Um, you have you have a guy. Who's the lead? And then you have all of his assistants. He had 15 assistants. That's what blows my mind. It's not that it was like a a couple man show. It's 15 people.
2: Speaking of 15. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, speaking of 15 assistants, I wish I had one to bring me another beer. So we're (laughs) going to take a quick break. Sounds good. Good morning, my sweet babies. It's your normal host. Dare I say the better host? Uh, Coming to you with not only the reason for waking up which is coffee but letting you know that comics inebriated actually has its own coffee that's right rootless loves us so much and they better that they were willing to give comics inebriated its own roast you can grab that over at rootlesscoffee.com and for all their other products including fresh ground beans that you can have sent to your door or perhaps even a pair of sweatpants joggers that have rootless logo on them. Uh, you can get any of that and/or some of their signature roasts for twenty percent off using morning coffee. And again, you should also check out Comics Inebriated new roast uh, featuring, you know, the wonderful artwork that Matt and I did for the podcast. Not only that but it'll fuel you to listen to the rest of the episodes and maybe Drano will even sweetly sing to the coffee bag before it's shipped out who knows anyway you can get 20 percent off most of the stuff on the site using the code morning coffee love you guys
1: all right and now that we've uh all acquired our 15 assistants we are back to this podcast <laughs>
2: <laughs> so will eisner did 20 years of PS Magazine. Yeah. Tell yeah. us during and after what happened with like his career in terms of what the major like heavy hitters are.
0: So really you get... Bef- the major heavy hitters for Eisner are pre-PS Magazine with The Spirit. And then after PS Magazine, we hit... Uh, he starts working at the School of Visual Arts in New York. And he writes three textbooks. Uh, He writes comics and sequential art, which is pretty synonymous with like comic book education. He writes
2: for SVA, like
0: he wrote the program on comic books at SVA. It was him and Harvey Kurtzman. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it was Eisner and Kurtzman. So imagine going to school with uh, Will Eisner. And Harvey Kurtzman. So it's uh, comics and sequential art, graphic storytelling and visual narrative, and then expressive anatomy for comics and narrative. These are his three textbooks. They're great. They kind of go in order. Um, so that's what he does after, af, after doing uh, American visuals. Here's his business thing that he does also he starts his own company, a different company called Poor House Press. Poor House Press is what he publishes the first iteration of uh, uh, graphic comic books. The first book, <laughs> uh, Comics and Sequential Art. He is working with Dennis Kitchen at the time who has Kitchen Sink Press, but it was his... Eisner's thing to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have a publisher. Uh, yeah. And it and it really worked in his favor because he, he was able to make a bunch of money off of textbooks, not, not comics. Comics almost seems secondary in Eisner's business plan. Um, he, is, he is more interested in making informational text. He does it for got 40 40 years, right? Like right. so. After that, and I think probably during while he was teaching at, uh, SVA, he starts working on a contract with God and a contract with God is, uh, widely considered the, the big first graphic novel. Um, Eisner, while did not create the term, uh, a lot of people think that Eisner is the guy who like created the term graphic novel. I don't Mm -hmm. think we can say that. I think history has proven that, uh, in actual, but he was definitely a pioneer, the guy who pioneered the term into the mainstream. Um, there's a great book written by Paul Levitz called Will Eisner, Champion of the Graphic Novel. Uh, and champion, I think, is the right word for it. He, he really got it, he got his book, and what Graphic Novel did was got his book into bookstores. It was bound different. It's a hardcover book. It It's, uh, themes are, are more adult and he really, and this is 1978, right? Like this is before self-publishing is really huge, um, before turtles hit and comic books were still viewed. I guess they still are today viewed as for kids. That's a whole separate story (laughs) that we can, we can get into too, but, uh, for (laughs) that's a different podcast. But he's oh my god, yeah. Um, Listen, if we want to talk Wortham, I can talk Wortham, baby. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so he does this book that is that makes it into the the main book market, and that's where Eisner goes for the rest of his career. He starts putting out book after book after book. I can't. I have a full shelf of Eisner stuff, and I I don't know how many books it is. I I could find out, but it's, it's, it's a shelf. It's a shelf worth of books that he did in his late career. Yeah. Um,
2: It's never too late to make comics.
0: Yeah. So that's, that's. He's
2: like the spark and inspiration for what will be direct market, essentially. Like he pushed for it. I'm sure there were other people maybe pushing for it, but direct market comics.
0: I think. Out of Eisner comes uh, a, 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 a different market because I don't know if he's necessarily. I don't think he was pushing for some uh, a, a specific comic book market. I think what he was pushing right. for was we just have comic books in bookstores. Um. Mm so he wasn't even thinking of of the direct market in the way we have it now it's more a and, yeah. yeah so we he he was pushing for comics as literature um and comics comics being alongside other things uh a contract with god is printed at a different size than normal comic books right it's a little smaller it's a little easier to hold because it looks more adult it looks like an actual book
2: looks like a book mm-hmm. yeah
0: so yeah. That is. These are all the things that he's thinking about when he is going to make it, uh, make his own stuff, and it's all through Poorhouse Press. This is all like he owned, he owned all of it. So
2: that's wild that he had this fairly successful small business uh, and produced something that he had to renegotiate the contract for every year. And then eventually was just like, I guess I'll make this other small business at the same time and then do all this other stuff. And then that's essentially what came to be what he's mostly known for, right? Like all of his late comics in his career.
0: Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's, all
2: of this lead up of just like educational, instructional, technical books.
0: It's a huge shift in uh, probably he starts doing a contract with God when he's ready to retire. Right. That's his, his old man stuff. That's his, <laughs> that's his, I'm, I'm in the second half of my life. I'm in the late stages of my life. Let me just put out a bunch of stuff. Um, I think he died in 2008,
1: 2008. I think it was, no, maybe,
0: no, maybe it's a little earlier. Yeah, um, 2005. So, He's from 1978 to 2005, working on uh, his own kind of personal projects constantly, and just kind of seeing what he can do and playing with the form and really experimenting in in certain in certain places. It's incredible, just just the evolution of of a cartoonist. It is the most inspirational thing for me because, like, I can go back and. Uh, in in comparison to Eisner, I look at my stuff now and I go, oh, I'm in the spirit phase of my life. Mm -hmm. And then eventually- I can
2: definitely see the parallels why you picked Eisner to come on for because uh, I definitely see these phases in your work where you're experimenting or like doing other things and things like that. And like most of the knowledge I have about Eisner is through you as it is. So I just (laughs) thought that was really interesting. So like, is there any, any bizarre wild fact other than obviously his whole career uh, that you want to leave listeners with? Uh, I
0: I don't know how wild it is, Uh, (laughs) but his, one of the things that I take away most from, from Eisner and just as a creative is he always took his mornings for himself. And I have really taken that. I, when the, when I read that in one of the multiple books, Uh, I think a spirited life the actual like biography of Eisner. He would go every morning and play tennis and then go to the office and start working every single day. And it was like one of those things that I really took to myself and went, okay, do all of that stuff before you go and create things, kind of get it out of the way, take the time, really enjoy it. And then go and go and do work.
1: Um, yeah, it's like setting up your, your your mindset getting yourself ready and pumped um whether it's for work or just for the rest of the day uh if you start off being happy or feeling good then like everything else just falls into place at that, right
0: point. yeah yeah so Absolutely. also okay the, here's here's the actual crazy thought in <laughs> fact he i did, love that
1: you
2: found it midway
0: um, <laughs> so a contract was do- with god is done at size so he draws all of that stuff at the actual size that it's going to be printed at. Huh. Unlike mainstream <laughs> comics are drawn at 11 by 17 pieces right. of paper and then shrunk down. Yeah. I have started working smaller since reading that book because I was like, oh, if the look I want, the look I'm trying to go for is this kind of brushy Eisner look. I'll just start working smaller and just print directly from that. Um, so I work smaller because Eisner worked smaller. Uh, he would he would work on uh, the ch- cheap copy paper. He would pencil everything on cheap copy paper, and then lay a piece of vellum on top of that and ink on the vellum. So if you get one of my my most prized possession in my book collection is the Contract with God artist edition. And it comes in two. It's a slipcase with two books, and it, you can look at it side by side. You can look at the pencils, and you can look at the inks because they were on two separate pieces of paper.
2: That is awesome.
0: It's incredible.
2: Also, I'm pretty sure that's how our uh, canceled co-host Matt Emmons does his work. Is <laughs> um, the same. It's smart. It's, yeah.
0: it's it's a smart way to do it. Uh, printing has gotten so much easier, so much better. Scanning has gotten so much better. Absolutely. You can you can yeah. just do whatever you want now. Yeah.
2: Speaking of uh, techniques and things like that, um, let's get into uh, number one: how both you and Michael Talbot know each other, <laughs> and two, <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us what you're working on since you're like so inspired by um, by Eisner and everything.
0: How do I know yes. Michael Talbot?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I can start
1: off with this one. Okay. Right?
2: That's true, yeah. Michael Thompson, please talk. Way
1: me. back, right? Like so forty eight minutes way back. <laughs> uh,
0: well. I was about to feel really embarrassed if we actually met <laughs> some. Seems like a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it, it's it's it, I, I feel the same way I did last week. Uh, where like we I, I met Liana uh, pretty much on the podcast. Uh, but we kicked it off, and we, it felt comfortable. We, we instantly yeah. just became friends.
2: That's why I kicked Matt out of the podcast. I, so I was spouse. like, we're best friends now. Like, so. just
1: best friends with Jamie at this point, yeah. too. Let's, Let's yeah. do
0: it. I'm good for that. Um, yeah. There we go.
2: <laughs> so Jamie, every time we have somebody on, I always ask that you tell us how we met. So how did you and I meet?
0: We met at Heroes Con two years ago. We were tabled next to each other, and I mentioned that I was from Florida, and you flipped out and like <laughs> turned your head and you were like, did you say you were from Florida?
2: Listen, Floridians are like unicorns in the comic and industry. And I said, There's yes. zero of
0: them. And then uh, this, the same conversation had happened with uh, Jordi Bellier too. We had the exact same, almost the exact same interaction. Um, but you grew up 30 minutes away from where I grew up and and we never knew each other.
2: And we're, like, almost the same age, too. Yeah, it's it doesn't make any so sense. Down.
0: If I... Yeah. Well, I wasn't into... Com- I, I didn't draw... St- I didn't start looking into comics until I was 17. So yeah. I just missed... There's so many cool people back home that I just missed out entirely on.
1: I guess, Absolutely. picking up on that, like, what was your introduction to comics?
0: Uh, I went into a comic... My brother was big into... Uh, so I read Sonic mag- or Sonic the Hedgehog oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, back back in the day, um, and then I kind of stopped reading comics for a while. And my brother got really into X Men, and mm-hmm. I could never really get into X Men. It just never it just never clicked with me. Uh, I was too cool, you know. X Men's for the nerds, and I yeah. was you know I'm just I'm <laughs> such a slick boy. Um, <laughs>
1: Can confirm because you know since I I know you, uh,
0: right? Right? Yeah, you know I'm a player. Very
1: true. Yeah. Oh my god!
0: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> I can't wait for that to be the entire quote of this <laughs> episode.
0: Um, um, that is
2: a Will Eisner quote, right? Like, it is. I'm a slick boy. <laughs> very accurate.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> should, like,
1: clip that and use that as the intro. I'm
2: a yeah. Girl. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my god. I so, so I, I was seventeen. When... So when I was seventeen, I can get back yeah, to it. Yeah. I can pick be- up. A...
2: Okay, you worked your way back quick because I was about to talk about Vita. So that's uh, okay. great. So when no, I no, you can... when
0: I was seventeen, I went to the comic shop with my brother, and I walked in, and the shop owner Joel Kilmer. Uh, who is goes by Captain Joel. So he's a character. Um, he asked me what kind of books I w- was interested in, and I said, I don't want anything superhero. Now, he had a section set up for nothing superhero. And he said, here you go. Uh, Sandman, Fables, and The Goon. Um, so three very, <laughs> like, Sandman, Fables, both Vertigo books and everything. And then he goes, and The Goon. Eric Powell you
2: obviously fell in love with. I, was, I
0: fell in love with the goon. I <laughs> love the goon. That my too. Yeah. Um, Eric Powell, I think, is brilliant. A lot of people look at my work and go, "Oh, you must love Eric Powell," and I say to them, "No, we both love Will Eisner. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to." Um, so we both pull that influence from from Eisner. Mm-hmm. The goon really stuck with me. I read through Sandman. I ran through Fables, but the goon really stuck with me and it has kind of shaped who I want to be as a cartoonist. Like I can look at a guy's career who's living and making comics now and go, "Oh, he's doing it." So
2: speaking of doing that, what can you tell everyone what you're working on as you sip your fancy beer that you designed?
0: <clears throat> I uh I am working on uh The Baboon, which is my uh Kind of ongoing <laughs> series. It's not an ongoing series. It's a series of of trade paperbacks or hardcover hardcover collection because I'm because I'm fancy. Some would say
2: you know your life's work. My, this might
0: be my life's work. I would love for yeah. it to be my life's work. Um, <laughs> so I'm doing that. I'm gonna have the second book is coming out weekly on my Patreon right now in black and white. I just moved. I was planning on running a Kickstarter back in March but I moved and I was like, I don't know where I'm going to live. And all of that stuff that comes with, with, um, (laughs) with moving and, and, and life things. Um, so I canceled the Kickstarter or postponed the Kickstarter and then moved to Savannah, Georgia. And I'm loving every second of it. And
2: I mean, artist Haven, really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been fantastic. Um, so I postponed and I put started post, posting pages on Patreon. So if you want to read The Baboon, I think I'm at 34 pages um, so far. It's a 94-page comic. It's all done. <laughs> it's all inked. It's all ready. And so now I'm just taking my time to yeah. letter and get things together before I have to go in and color. And then I'll eventually run a Kickstarter for it. So I do that. I also
2: love that you give it to your Patreons, your Patreon first. Like that's one of the big things that I do for work as well. Is like sharing a lot of stuff with like
0: Patreon's really cool. I yeah. I really I really like the model of it, and I like the kind of uh, the ability to present things to people before before it's public. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing that. And I also do a comic strip called monkeys fighting or tales of MFR, which is on the monkeys fighting robots website. Uh, We're going to be ending that at strip 100. I just penciled and inked strip 85. So we're getting, we're down to the wire. Um, So that there's another Kickstarter going to happen for that (laughs) eventually. And uh, after all of that, Everything's kind of settled. The dust settles. I'm going to be transitioning to doing the Baboon, hopefully bi-monthly as a uh, magazine, similar to this is another Will Eisner thing. Eisner, in his later life, started repurposing the Baboon, uh, the Spirit, <laughs> as uh, yes. a magazine. So it was the Spirit magazine, and I kind of want to do that with the Baboon. So,
2: yeah, um, you have so much content and like so much of that world to give. So I thought that was really cool. It's
0: a lot of really great things. And I keep coming up with more ideas. And instead of just saying, well, this is the character that lives over here and does their own thing. I am kind of combining all of my thoughts and all of these characters. And uh, actually for the last couple of days, I've been doing it all on Twitch. So (laughs) I've been like doing a bunch of character designs over there so so that's which is a
2: great time to tell uh listeners that you are now streaming on twitch i
0: am now streaming on twitch twitch.tv forward slash art of jamie jones um yeah it's a good time i'm I'm having a lot of fun with it
2: i'm i'm really surprised that you did not lose your voice number one before the podcast because i was like (laughs) oh no it's just gonna be me and michael like (laughs) talking (laughs) jokes at each other the entire time and then jamie's just gonna be like I can't talk guys. Well, um, I'm a
0: prof- I am was a professional actor for years, Liana.
2: <laughs> that's true. And that's another good tidbit that you have now dropped on, uh, on the listeners. Which I have seen <laughs> photos. Real interesting. It so, is
1: so for, cool. For someone who's very curious, um, where might uh, someone have seen said uh, acting?
0: It was all oh, gotcha. regional. It was all regional stuff in, in Tampa. When uh, I was doing it professionally, um, I, I and also it was all in Florida, so I was doing all regional <laughs> stuff in Florida. Okay. There's pictures. If you <laughs> you you Sorry. can search I'm, it. I'm just, I'm just there's there's like pictures of me in the underwear and my, my underwear and on the or internet for any
1: listeners.
2: Uh, <laughs> I love that you openly announce that to everyone that listens to this podcast. Yeah, so if you like, want to
0: if you want to catch this slick boy in his underwear. No. No. <laughs> And is.
2: thank you so much, Sammy Jones, for coming on the podcast uh, again.
0: You give me too much beer, and this is what right. happens.
2: No, I love it. This is by far, I'm going to be making fun of you for this for probably forever.
0: I'm okay with that.
2: You've just reintroduced another decade's worth of content. Nice. <laughs> Yeah. But no, seriously, I really appreciate you coming on. And I also appreciate that you're now also best friends with Michael Talbot because I advocate for how fucking cool he is too. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Do you have, wait, wait, stop. Do you just have a bunch of ties hanging in the back around?
1: Oh yes. Yes I do. Um, I do have a tie and bow tie collection. Uh, I, well so well.
2: <laughs> you both are best friends now. I don't know. This podcast has just witnessed the best thing to ever. My, uh,
0: my publishing company <laughs> is called Bowtie press. Cause I wear bow ties to conventions. Um, so here we go. We're already in. Michael's yet,
2: losing definitely. his
1: mind right now. Fridays, I am. I, I really it's on
0: Twitch is Fancy Fan Art Fridays where I put on a bow tie and, and I draw. I have Dapper but,
1: Thursdays that I do. Oh
0: damn. <laughs> Look at us.
2: Look at so, just
0: a couple of slick boys.
2: Just a couple of
1: slick boys. You know what? Boys. Yes.
0: Yes.
2: Just of just a slick couple slick boys. <laughs> um Michael, where can everyone find you again?
1: Ah, for for those who uh need to know uh you can find me on instagram patreon uh facebook uh youtube at uh, talbot's art that's t-a-l-b-o-t-s-a-r-t
2: and for those of you who didn't listen to last week's episode you can listen to michael's uh episode where we kicked matt out of the podcast um (laughs) we talk about silent comics it's really cool and jamie partner you are among the coolest and i am so glad that you came on uh i guess i'm gonna leave y'all with uh jamie being a slick boy so
0: (laughs) there you go fantastic